Women, as opposed to a 24-hour cycle, operate on a approximately 28-day cycle. So over that 28 days, we are ebbing and flowing. There's peaks and valleys. Our hormones are changing. And along with those changes, changes in how we feel, our mood, our bloating, our energy, our creativity, our desire to socialize. Um, you know, hormones have such an impact and it would be naive to think that like all these changes are going on in our body and that we're going to be the same person day after day after day. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. You guys are in for a treat today because Crystal and I are here together with Kate Eskry. We're both huge fans of her. Right before we hit record, we were telling her how much we enjoy her content huge fans of her Instagram stories. We love her because she has a really approachable way of talking about health and wellness, including inside of motherhood. She's also given me terrific ideas about how I can make my household and my lifestyle a little bit more clean. She also talks about slowing down, which I think is a message that a lot of us need. So Kate, you are a mom to sweet miles. You're a fellow Midwesterner, just like us. You're a registered nurse with your doctorate in integrative and holistic health. First things first, I think it's really important for people to just understand what integrative health even means. Oh my gosh. Well, I am so excited and honored to be here. I like, I admire you guys so much and what you're doing for women. So I think, I don't know. I just love being in this space with you. I'm excited for our conversation. Um, But yeah, I would love to talk about integrative health because I think it's something that kind of gets thrown around a lot or like holistic, but it's like, what does it actually mean? And basically the term integrative health is this like all encompassing term where it's not solely holistic health. So let's say holistic is natural remedies, you know, um, meditation, yoga, that kind of side of health. And then traditional medicine is, you know, um, going to your yearly doctor visit, uh, taking a prescription, getting surgery, those kind of more classic medical things where integrative health comes from in the literal term is to integrate the two. It's not all natural remedies. It's not all surgery or all pills. It's the blend that works for that person. And that's why I just felt so drawn to it because I am a registered nurse. I've worked in the ICU. I know that modern medicine has value and merit and is so important in a lot of ways. And at the same time, I believe to be true we can start with a lot of proactive measures. A lot of natural remedies do work. A lot of mind-body connections do work. Um, but really, it's not one or the other. And so much of our society and the health world makes it feel like you have to be either all, quote, crunchy or all mainstream medicine. And I just don't believe that to be true. It can be a mix, a blend, um, and really the like kind of guiding principle of integrative health is that you start with the intervention, like the least invasive intervention. So Mm -hmm. say you had joint pain, you would start with, you know, maybe stretching. Um, Then you would maybe move to some all natural remedies like curcumin and anti-inflammatory. If that didn't work, maybe you would start a true prescription anti-inflammatory. You know, you would start PT in there. And then the very end result would be like a knee surgery. So that's kind of a random example, but with all of integrative health, it's the idea of starting with the least invasive thing, the natural remedies, the proactive measures, and then slowly working up the totem pole to the more kind of invasive prescription medicines, surgeries, that sort of thing, which are absolutely warranted and needed at times, but just kind of the idea 
that it doesn't have to be all one thing or the other. You can blend the two. You can work up the totem pole um, and find the balance of health that is unique and wonderful and feels right to you. So that is kind of how I look at integrative health. Okay, guys, I already, I already learned something here. <laughs> like I was, and this is why I love you too. Cause like, that was a very simple way for us to understand what integrative health actually means. And this idea that everyone's blend might look a little bit different. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because I think for me, I'm a registered nurse married to a registered nurse. For me, I always start with the natural remedies if I have something going on, you know, whereas Adam, who works in the ICU, he might lean towards a more medical approach at times. But then, for example, the other day he had a headache and I saw him apply some peppermint oil topically. And he's like, this literally works so well. And it's like that is his blend of integrative health in that moment, whereas mine would have been like, okay, I would have done magnesium and willow bark first for the headache. And then I would have done peppermint oil. And then I would have taken Tylenol if I needed to, but we, it's the same idea, but every single person is going to have their own definition of what feels right. You might be listening to this and be like, I'm just going to take the Tylenol if I have a headache and that's okay. That's your definition of integrative health. And I think just like Finding the freedom and giving yourself permission to define health in a way that works for you. I've really had to lean into that because at times with my modern medicine colleagues and coworkers, I feel judged for being a little more crunchy, even though I very much do understand and respect evidence-based medicine. I have nothing against prescription medications. I have nothing against doctors, surgeries, anything, but I prefer to start more natural and I can see the efficacy in that many of these natural remedies that are historically thought of as crunchy or fluffy or woo woo. Many of them are backed by data and people don't want mm-hmm. many in modern medicine just have their eyes so shut to that. Um, and so I've really had to feel empowered and lean into the fact that like, I'm just living a healthy life in the way that feels right for me. I know I kind of don't make sense to either end of the spectrum, the solely crunchy people or the solely modern medicine people. But I'm just kind of hanging out in the middle and like finding an area of health that feels good to me. Okay, so I will stand with you in the middle (laughs) because I feel like we're on this path and this journey, which is so interesting because I saw a post by somebody kind of like-minded like you that was like, my way isn't wrong because she's like almost like in this little island or she feels Mm -hmm. like so many people think like, she's so weird because she has her garden and she's like harvesting her vegetables and she's trying to minimize toxins. But like the truth of the matter is that like health, we're like exposed to different things. And if we don't know about them, like I feel like she just maybe knows a little bit more and is trying to integrate that into her health. So today we're talking to a lot of moms right now. So when Amy and I started on this journey, like being a mom was a huge adjustment. So you feel like you just don't even know what is normal and what is not. So after I had my third Camden, I just started feeling like not like myself at all. Mm-hmm. I had like this foggy brain. It was like really hard to put thoughts together, which sounds so ridiculous, no. but I just like would forget things easily. I was tired and I was like, okay, I'm up with a kid. Like that makes sense that I'm tired, but I was like, overly tired like by Mm -hmm. the end of the day like so my friends used to call me the energizer bunny and there was nothing energizer bunny about they took the title away Mm -hmm. the title was stripped (laughs) away that third one just crushed it and I felt so overwhelmed like Mm -hmm. I like felt overwhelmed with work and dealing with these three kids like surviving in my marriage And so that's where I started to go down this path. One of the things that I did, which was I thought was so interesting, is getting lab work done Mm -hmm. and just showing like, because technically, when we're talking modern medicine, I looked like healthy. Like, I Mm -hmm. do remember going to a pediatric checkup and being like, we like know you. You're like so fun. Nothing could be wrong. And I'm like, I'm literally dying on the inside Mm -hmm. but I was quote-unquote labeled as like a healthy one or like my mental health was okay Mm -hmm. um so I thought it was so interesting because the things that they gave me were so simple Mm -hmm. but you're like are you really talking to me about this right now I like educate people on breathing and you're like Mm -hmm. telling me to breathe like Mm -hmm. what the heck or like be creative and go outside so I think sometimes in 
wellness and fitness, things can be looked at as so complicated. But what I really love about you and this approach is that some of it is just really simplifying. So I'd love to hear your top three wellness tips that you think are important for busy moms like ourselves to incorporate. A hundred percent. And I just want to say, hear you so much because it's nothing more frustrating than when you go to the doctor and your vital signs are normal, but you don't feel normal. And they're like, no, you're good. And it's like, no, I'm not like something is off. Um, And kind of like I was saying, like my blend of modern medicine and natural medicine, I consider my yearly checkups. I go to my naturopath for one and I go to my traditional MD for one. And I talk about the same issues to both of them. Um, and sometimes there is overlap. Sometimes they have different recommendations, but I'll never forget like the first time that I had just gone to my naturopath and I just went to my MD and my MD's like, all right, you're good. We'll see you next year. And I'm like, anything I can work on, anything I can improve? No, you're doing great. And then at my naturopath, I'm like, anything I can work on, anything I can improve? She's like, well, actually, you know, you could dry brush in the morning. You could um, start supplementing with this. Like she was teaching me how to optimize my health Mm -hmm. instead of just be quote, good enough. And that's no fault on my MD because MDs are forced to see a trillion patients a day. They have 15 minute appointments. They need to get reimbursed and charged and all these things. So they don't really have time to teach you how to optimize your health where like, In the natural sphere, I feel like it's way more acceptable to want more for your health, not just like, oh, I'm good enough. I'm fine. My vital signs are fine. Nothing's objectively wrong, but I still want to feel vibrant. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel energetic. And I feel like, you know, that's kind of where the more natural world can really help. Um, So like you said, just kind of making it simple, though, is a big passion of mine. Because I do feel like in the natural health world, it's easy for it to seem like over glamorized or fancy, or it's all in the acai bowls and the hot Pilates and the, you know, fancy meditation classes. And it is not that way at all. I would say if I had to like distill my three most practical tips to a busy mom who just wants to upgrade her health, I would say trying your best to get at least 20 grams of protein with your breakfast. So ideally every snack and meal will have at least 20 grams of protein. But if you only focus on one meal a day to get 20 grams of protein, I would say your breakfast that starts your day so much more nourished. It keeps your blood sugar so much more stable throughout the day. So if you are someone that feels that 3 PM energy crash, you feel like you need a carb. Now you feel like you need coffee to get through the day. That might not necessarily be your energy. That could be your blood sugar peaks and valleys talking, Where if you start the day with 20 to 30 grams of protein in your breakfast, the rest of the day, you may find that you're feeling much more full, your energy is more constant. Um, So that is one very practical tip that I recommend. Another is hydration. Again, it's like, am I really talking to you about hydration? But it's like, yes, hydration is so simple that we almost overlook it. And it can be the thing that helps your digestion, your skin, um, your energy levels, like your hunger levels. But it's so simple and obvious that we like don't do it. So the next tip I would say is to hydrate. Um, if you want to know like how much water you should drink, a general rule of thumb is dividing your body weight in pounds by two. So if you are 200 pounds, you try to drink 100 ounces. If you're 150 pounds, you try to drink 75 Um, That's a general guideline I recommend. And if you want to take it to the next level, again, plain old water is fine, but incorporating some electrolytes and minerals in your water can help the body better absorb it. So doing like a sprinkle of sea salt with lemon in your water, that can help your body better utilize it. And then let's see, I would say another tip is To abandon the idea of a traditional workout, like, oh, I'm going to the gym, I'm putting on the spandex outfit, I am, you know, going on a run. And instead, just think about fitting movement into your day. So if you're a busy mom, it might feel overwhelming to like do an hour long lift session. But like, could you walk to the post office when you're dropping off the packages? Could you maybe, you know, you drop your kid off at soccer practice? Could you walk around the field or the area while his practice is going on? And instead of like making your workout an extra thing to do, fitting it into the things you're already doing, I think can be such a mindset shift for busy moms that are like, I do not have time to get a workout in. Like it's not possible. 
So it's like, if your kids are playing outside, could you be doing air squats? Like it's that simple where you're just kind of like, what are the things I'm already doing and how could I just get a little movement in here? So I think those are three tips that they're so obvious guys. Like all I just talked about was like nutrition, water and exercise. You're like, okay, that's supposed to be helpful. But it's like so often the most obvious things are the things we put on the back burner because they're such a duh that we almost overlook them. Instead, we get distracted by like this one herb can give you energy or this quick fix can do this or that where it's like if you just focus on the basics with intention, you can see such an improvement in how you feel. Absolutely. The one about protein really spoke to me. I've been working with a dietitian and that was like her number one. She's like protein in the morning sets your everything up for success that day, including your metabolism. And I just was not getting enough until I added up the protein I was eating and it just wasn't where it should be. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And then I was just throwing coffee on my afternoon slump. You know what I mean? So like, you're just like trying to put band-aids on things versus seeing like, okay, what would it look like if I prioritized protein and my nutrition and made it a little bit better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that you just pointed that out. Cause I truly right before this call was on a health coaching call with one of my clients and a huge thing we're working with for her is protein. And she's like, I, for the first time in years, don't feel the need to snack constantly throughout the day. And she's like, I'm eating something and I'm feeling full and energized and I'm focusing at work. And it was literally just from adding more protein to her diet. And I think so many of us assume we're getting enough. I know I definitely Mm -hmm. did. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, I get protein in. And then it's like, when I, when you actually think about getting 20 grams and just trying to hit that metric, it's like, you do have to put a little thought in, but once you realize how good you feel, it's like, oh wait, I don't need coffee. I don't need a carb to like, get me over this energy slump because you just feel, you feel more steady and centered, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Could you also give us some easy examples of adding in protein to like your breakfast? Like what are some ways that you sneak more of it in? Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. Yeah. So I think, you know, a great way is eggs. Um, But I think where so many women fall short is they're like, oh, I have eggs at breakfast, but they have one or two. Now an egg is a great source of protein, but it's at seven grams. So to get to that 20, you know, you need three eggs or you can pair it with an avocado have two eggs and pair it with an avocado, sprinkle some flaxseed on top. Um, So you can kind of mix and match to get to that 20. I'll give you some more concrete ideas. So a great one is like a cup of a full fat, not necessarily full fat, but a Greek yogurt that has fat in it. So not a non-fat Greek yogurt, but a Greek yogurt with berries on top. Again, flax and chia seed are great sources of protein. Um, that you can sprinkle on top. That's one I have a ton because it's like no cooking. I don't have to clean the fry pan or anything. It's just a Greek yogurt bowl. You could have a smoothie. My caveat with smoothies is so many of them are just glorified juice boxes. Like sure, you're getting some like nutrients, but they're not. I mean, who's had it? Like everyone has had a smoothie and felt hungry 30 minutes later. That's not what we're going for here. So if you make a smoothie, I want you to put a spoonful of like a nut butter in for a healthy fat, some protein powder, um, and some fiber in the form of chia seed or flaxseed. And that is a meal instead of like a glorified juice box that leaves you hungry 30 minutes later. Another great breakfast that some people are going to love this. Some people are going to hate it. Cottage cheese is such an underrated source of protein. It's so easy. You can make cottage cheese toast. I know it sounds weird. Don't knock it till you try it. You can make cottage cheese bowls in a savory way or a sweet way. So you, a sweet way would be like cottage cheese with apples, cinnamons, walnuts, flaxseed. So my like go-tos for a protein pack breakfast would be eggs, avocado toast with an egg on top. Like I said, cottage cheese, Greek yogurt bowl, smoothie. I think I just covered yeah. those, but those are like my go-tos for people that like don't want to spend a half an hour cooking in the morning. Those are like easy ways to get that 20 grams. I have similar go-tos. Greek yogurt is my favorite when I'm in a rush. I need mm-hmm. something fast. That's the one I go to. We did want to spend a minute on this subject because I know that for the women listening, 
like Crystal was saying before, they're so overwhelmed. So when mm-hmm. we're asking them like, okay, let's prioritize fueling yourself better. Let's prioritize working out. Mm-hmm. It can feel overwhelming, but I know on your Instagram stories, you do a really great job of sharing your favorite time-saving hacks mm-hmm. and kind of fitting fitness into our lives, mm-hmm. you know? So I want to know what are your favorite like snackable ways to fit this into our lives? Mm, that's a great question. And I just want to say, like, I really do get it. It's, there's only so many hours in the day. And I'm someone that like, I, I grew up identifying myself as an athlete. I ran in college. I always had a formalized practice and lifts and I was active every single day. And to me, a workout only counted if I went on a run, like I was a runner. That was my identity. That's the only thing that counted. And with time and wisdom and getting older, it's like, oh my gosh, we, we view exercise so narrowly. We view it as going on a run, going to the gym, going to a fitness class where it's like truly a 15 minute YouTube video in your living room counts. And I think that's the mindset shift that I want busy moms to realize is it does not have to look perfect or be an hour long to make a difference. Like doing 10 minutes of your PT exercises on the floor of your living room counts. We wanted to take a short break and let you know that this podcast episode is brought to you by the Expecting and Empowered app, which is your complete roadmap to an empowered and strong pregnancy and postpartum. As busy moms ourselves, we know that your time is valuable. Our app workouts are designed to be done in just 30 minutes and will help you in pregnancy to prepare for your labor and in postpartum to heal progressively and safely. You can work out knowing the exercises are safe for you exactly where you are in motherhood and all you have to do is press play. If you want to join the thousands of other women on the Expecting and Empowered app, you can use the promo code PODCAST25 for 25% off a month or a year. You can work out for just $10 a month when you sign up for the year. Visit app.expectingandempowered.com to sign up today. We'll also put that in the show notes. We'll see you in the app. Walking your kids to school counts. But the caveat there is you need to commit to the small moments. So like, yes, they do add up, but you need to kind of make the most of those kind of, like you said, snackable moments of like, all right, I do have 20 minutes before my kid wakes up. It's easier in that moment to be like, oh, it's only 20 minutes. What's the difference going to make? But instead taking an empowered approach, I mean like, okay, I have 20 minutes. I'm going to take five minutes to just like quick throw on some workout clothes and pull up a 15 minute YouTube video and do it for free in my living room. If you don't have any weights, search body weight strength. I think just like my tip with this is to almost like stop being so overdramatic. Like I think as moms, and I'm guilty of this. So like, I'm literally talking to myself. It's easy to accept the martyr mindset of like, well, I just don't have time. And instead challenging yourself to like, where can I fit it into my life? And giving yourself permission that it doesn't have to be perfect. Like the most freeing thing for me was realizing I didn't have to go out on a run for my workout to count. I didn't have to lift for 60 minutes for it to make a difference. Instead, viewing exercise in 15 minute chunks of like a 15 minute workout is better than a zero minute workout. I think that has been a huge mindset shift for me. Um, and then I think also just kind of like romanticizing it in a way. Like I know now my walks where I get to like go out with my son in the stroller. I'm like, I get to listen to a podcast. I love I'm getting fresh air. And, you know, I think old me would have been like, okay, I have to get out on a walk today. I have to burn some calories. I have to get outside. And it's like, oh my gosh, I get to, I get to go outside. I get fresh air. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I love. And again, my son is getting fresh air. He's getting outside and just kind of thinking of the benefits that you are getting just from making that choice, kind of romanticizing it, hyping it up um, and making it a mini moment, I think can be great. So those are my time-saving tips for exercise. The main thing being just stop being so all or nothing with it, because mm-hmm. if you go with that approach, you'll you'll likely end up with nothing. So instead being okay with the shorter workouts that just fit into your day, but really committing to them, if that makes sense. 
Absolutely. Even for our community with our app, we shortened the workouts because we knew that people were having a hard time getting them in, but we also added a pause button. And then our mantra is always like 15 minutes is amazing. Maybe you press pause and you can come back later, but maybe that's all you had. And to give yourself all the credit, it's a, it's a huge mind shift change to give yourself the credit instead of beating yourself up for not completing. And a lot of us before we had kids and we could do our full workout, it does take some getting used to, to give yourself that credit. I was reading one of your posts recently and you talked about a book. It was called In Defense of Food. And you said it was mind blowing for you. It really changed the way that you viewed food because now you are prioritizing whole food ingredients. And so I think this is an area where people are like, wait, why should I do that? Like it's, it's almost like hard to understand. So I'm wondering what changes have you noticed and why do you think people should start to do the same? Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Like this book truly changed my life and I found it in a little free library, you know, those like little um, houses that are out on the road. So I was working at Mayo as a nurse. I was so burnt out in the ICU. I just like, I don't know. It was, it was a challenging time. And I was on a walk, saw this little free library and saw this book called In Defense of Food by Michael Pollan. I'm like, okay, I've always loved nutrition. I'll read like anything about food. I'm just intrigued by it. So I grabbed it kind of on a whim. And up to that point in my life, I had a very hot and cold relationship with food. I had definitely struggled with disordered eating. I, like I said, was a collegiate track athlete where I always thought I'd be needed to be super thin to be very fast. Um, I definitely had an eating disorder in high school and I always just viewed food as like calories, what will make me skinny, what's like the fad of the moment, like fiber this and, you know, calories that and hundred calorie snack packs and low fat this and that. And I I ate whatever diet culture said was good. Mm -hmm. And I consider myself to be a very healthy eater. Like, you know, I would have like iceberg lettuce with like barely any fat on it with like balsamic vinegar and think that was like a healthy meal. So that's where I was coming at this book from. And then I read it and basically what Michael Pollan is saying is so much of what makes up the standard American diet isn't food, it's food-like substances. Like all these things that we've eaten historically, like bread used to just be like flour, yeast, water. Now, if you look at the ingredients on your loaf of bread, it is 50 ingredients long. There's all these chemicals you can't pronounce. And what Michael Pollan is saying, he's like, that is technically not food. It is a food-like substance. And that was such an aha moment for me because I realized I was eating these 100-calorie snack packs, these low-fat yogurts, these things, thinking they were healthy. And then I looked at the ingredient list. I'm like, what is this? What am I even eating? It is a food-like substance. So from that, it just kind of challenged me to like, it. eating almost became easier. Like for so much of my life, I was constantly hungry, constantly thinking about what my next meal would be, um, you know, thinking about calories, metrics, all these things. And I challenged myself to just think of, is this a whole food, a sweet potato? That is a food. It is obvious, you know, it's, it's right there. And like when I would buy processed food or packaged food, I just looked for the simplest ingredients I could. So trying to find a bread that had simple ingredients, you know, instead of my low fat key lime pie, yo play yogurt, I switched to a whole fat yogurt where the ingredients are milk and cultures. You know, like it was such an upgrade of just like finding the things I was already eating. So I always had a yogurt bowl for breakfast. And instead of, you know, this processed granola, this processed yogurt, this processed like artificial sweeteners, all I did was switch it to a real yogurt, a granola with simple ingredients, top it with berries. And all of a sudden it was like, oh my gosh, I feel full. Like Mm -hmm. that was like, a crazy epiphany to me because for so long I just felt constantly hungry and I just thought that was normal. And so for me, it was the most freeing thing as someone who had been like diet obsessed for a decade. It's like, I can eat whatever I want. I can eat pasta, but I just try to find a clean ingredient pasta with the clean ingredient sauce. And just that switch, like my digestion improved. I was less inflamed. My skin got better. I had more energy. And so how I've moved forward with that is I do think there's 
you know, such a thing as being too obsessed with the ingredients of food. It's literally called orthorexia. It is a form of disordered eating where people are too obsessed. I definitely don't reside there. Like if I'm on a road trip and we stop at a gas station, yes, I'm going to have a processed food that's not perfectly clean. That is okay. But like 85% of my life, I'm just looking for whole foods, um, simple ingredients that have, I always say like, if your grandma would recognize it, if like, you know, like an apple doesn't need an ingredient list. It just is an apple. You know, I'm just kind of trying to like eat in a way that's more simple, um, more straightforward instead of all these processed diet crap that I was eating for a decade and feeling constantly hungry. I have felt such a shift in feeling truly nourished. My weight feels more stable. I'm never count. I have not counted a calorie in years and I spent a lot of my life doing that. And it's just like, I feel like it's allowed me to eat a lot more intuitively. I'm no longer afraid of fat or these things. It's like, that's an avocado. That is okay. You know, like, it's like just eating the whole foods that have been around for hundreds and thousands of years that our bodies were literally designed to eat. Michael Pollan talks about that. Like in our digestive tract, we have enzymes that break down food and it's very easy for those enzymes to recognize real food. Our bodies were designed to digest them. But these food-like substances, the enzymes can't really recognize them. So it's just a little bit harder to digest. Of course, we can still digest them. We're resilient, but it just kind of creates an extra tax on the body. So that is a very long-winded answer, but I'm just very passionate about it because I know I spent a lot of my life just constantly trying to shrink myself and constantly following diet culture. And I've felt such a freedom from just like, I can have whatever I want, but I just try to find a whole foods version of it. So that's my answer. (laughs) I love that. As somebody who's also struggled with body image and an eating disorder, I think it's really hard to kind of unravel that too. Like I was born in the eighties, lots of processed food. Amy and I like have eaten so much mac and cheese and then gone into like, when I was in college, I ate so many lean cuisines. And I will say too, like moving in that direction as well. There's like almost like, it feels like so uplifting. Like a cloud has like been lifted off your mind because the amount of time that I used to think about what went in my mouth or shame. Like, so I would, you know, like, spend so much time trying to count calories or eat these lean cuisines that wouldn't fill you up. And then I'd kind of like ravage eat. And I think too, moms can kind of get stuck in that cycle. Cause I remember having little ones and your brain is just literally craving a glucose hit. Cause you are mm-hmm. so tired. Mm-hmm. You're up with these kids and all you want is like that little glucose hit. So, and for a while actually too, I was like, so, um, I could not get off like my Starbucks. So I'm not a coffee drinker, Mm -hmm. but I would drink refreshers like they were going out of style. And I realized like how through the labs, but I realized like, I'm like actually a pre-diabetic here. Like it's like making me okay for the short term, Mm -hmm. but then uh, we're native American and like my body cannot process this amount of sugar that Mm -hmm. I think is like helping me get through motherhood. But you get in this like vicious cycle where you like almost need your glucose hit. You like need something Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. get you going back up. Then you feel guilty about it. So I can very much like see it, see it, lots of different moms in that story when you talk about that and how, and it, it really is something that evolves too. Like, I think when people look at somebody like you, they're like, oh my gosh, I wish I could eat like her, or I wish I could like incorporate that food. And it's like just a slow process, mm-hmm. getting healthier and healthier with food. And it really does feel so good where just like exercise, once you start doing it, you like go for that walk. Or even yesterday when I went to church, I was like, I do not want to go to church today. Mm-hmm. I have so much stuff to do, but it just felt so good to mm-hmm. do it. And I feel like eating is very similar. No. And like, yeah, I just want to say, I so hear you. And my, my biggest advice to someone that's feeling overwhelmed hearing this would be like, just focus on one meal or snack that you consistently have. Like my yogurt bowl example, if you're someone that has yogurt every morning, just try to find a clean ingredient version of that thing you're already eating and just start there. And like, you know, just see if you notice any shifts and For example, when you were talking about the carb thing, I just want to say I'm not anti-carb. Like we do need them. They're great energy. But I think just even learning how to optimize the carbs you're eating. So I, in my last job, I worked with a lot of diabetic patients. 
a big part of it was not teaching them that all carbs are off limits, but almost how to make that carb better absorbed. So if you're having a carb, say you're having a piece of fruit, having it with a handful of nuts or having it with peanut butter will slow that blood sugar spike. So you don't get those peaks and crash and peaks and crash by pairing things with protein and healthy fat. It's a much more comprehensive meal and or snack that will keep your blood sugar more stable and ultimately leave you feeling more energized and more um, satisfied. So I just want to say like, if you're someone like I cannot give up my carbs of the day, that's totally fine. Just start to pair them at the same time with a protein or healthy fat. And even that can make such a difference. Yeah. And another road that I think is so interesting that I've started going down over the last several years too, is really trying to lessen the toxins in my house. How this started was I had a patient that actually wasn't in a relationship. So she was going to, I don't know if that's a correct term, you would probably know, like harvest her eggs. And because she wanted kids one day, but she wasn't at that point of her life where she could have kids but she was getting older. So she's like, you have, cause I was burning a candle in my room. I'm like, listen, as I'm jabbing you with needles and working out all the aches and pains in your body, because sometimes it can be a little uncomfortable. Like they call us physical torturous for a reason. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to light a candle, make it nicer in here. So it feels like a spa like experience. And she's like, do you know that candle is like, not great. You're like inhaling the toxins from that. And I was like, at first, you know, because you meet stuff with resistance, you don't want to hear. I was like, I'm obsessed with candles. This <laughs> helps me calm my body down. We're not taking this candle out. But then I went home and I listened to you. And at that point, I thought like, this is such an interesting read to be listening to because I'm hoping to be done with my family journey. So, mm-hmm. but it was, it starts with the egg. And mm-hmm. so the author is actually a biochemist that goes Rebecca Fett, right? I love her. Yes. She goes through and it was interesting because she had a fertility journey. And so she was basically going to the doctor and they were saying, there's nothing wrong with you. You should be able to have a kid. And she was felt so frustrated because she knew the difference between medicine and the research part were like, so not aligned. Like she mm-hmm. needed somebody to go back and synthesize the data and like figure out what is what. So it's kind of cool because in her book, it talks about like, if you are having trouble with infertility, never able to get pregnant, or if you've gotten pregnant and then having infertility problems with a second. So she talked about how things that we do affect our hormones. And obviously hormones are such a big deal for fertility, but it also like for fat loss, increasing your energy, all of these things that I did not realize. Cause again, Dude, we grew up in like the 80s. There's just mm-hmm. like chemicals galore. And so like, I think I'm cleaning my house with the right stuff, not realizing like everything that I'm spraying over my dishes or like on my countertops have tons of different chemicals that affect our body. One thing too that I've cut out is like paper receipts or everything is like in plastic, right? So it's like really hard to take steps to minimize these toxins. So why do you think it's so important for us to be minimizing some of these toxins? Like why should we even care or adjust some of our habits to decrease toxins? Yeah, I think this is such a great question. And it's something, again, that I do feel a little self-conscious about at times because it's like, you know, people are like, well, you have your liver for that. That's what your liver's for is, you know, detoxifying. But it's like, I think the thing that people don't realize is you know, home products, um, skincare, makeup, they're largely unregulated industries. Like I think we assume that things would have to be safe before they go to market, but there can be any number of hormone disruptors, chemicals, airway irritants in the products you're using every single day. You know, the makeup you're putting on your skin, the, the things you're washing your countertops with that you're eating off of. And so, like I said, it's like many of us have assumed, at least I did, that these are health approved and surely must meet safety standards but many of them don't. Um, The EPA has only published evaluation data on about like 200 of the 83,000 chemicals that Americans use every day. And many Americans are unaware that there's untested and potentially unsafe chemicals in their products. So am I someone that thinks if you use Febreze, you're instantly going to die? No. Are all chemicals bad? No. But there are some concerning chemicals that are linked time and time again 
with adverse health outcomes. You know, things like, you know, triclosan, parabens, DEA, fragrance, phthalates, formaldehyde. These are all in on the products we're using every day. And they are shown to have, you know, an impact on cancer, neurological issues, airway irritants, hormone disruptors. And again, if you use them once, are you instantly going to have a health outcome? No. But what I'm passionate about is like that cumulative impact where it's like, we are washing our counters with the things every day that have those endocrine, endocrine disruptors, airway irritants, you know, toxins in them that does build up in the body. And so I think what I'm passionate about is like, yes, our livers do a great job. They do detoxify most of the things we throw at them, but they're, like you said, you feel like everything's coated in plastic. Everything has BPA, all these toxins. It's like, there are so many environmental hazards that are thrown at us each and every day that it's like, it's hard for our livers to keep up. And we are seeing adverse health outcomes from products that people use every day. So I'm just passionate about like, not making it seem like you need to instantly start making all your cleaners with like vinegar and essential oils and like be witchy about it. You know, It's like, I like to simplify it and just like help people realize that like a small change, like even just switching out what your deodorant is. That can be a starting point in little by little, like my personal method to upgrading to non-toxic products is like when I would run out of my toxic deodorant, I just switched to a non-toxic one. When I ran out of my toxic mascara, I switched to a non-toxic one. When my window cleaner Windex ran out, I switched to a non-toxic option and just took it little by little. That was like most feasible for me financially, emotionally. It's not supposed to be overwhelming. It's not supposed to be perfect, but just knowing like, There are chemicals in the products we use each and every day that do have adverse health correlations. Are they immediately bad? No. Are they instantly going to kill you? No. But really think of that cumulative impact. For me with cleaners, it was so crazy to like read the ingredients on a list and know that there's harmful things in there and then think, wait, I'm spraying my countertops with this. I'm preparing my food on my countertops and I'm eating that food. Like it's like, we cover our houses in these cleaners. We interact with them. We touch them. We breathe them in. And then we expect them not to impact us. It's like we are ingesting them through our skin, through our mouths. We're breathing them in. And so switching to clean products around the house, in your food, in your skincare, I think I think it could be one of those things like smoking where like in 60 years, we'll look back and be like, what were we thinking? And I don't mean to sound like an alarmist with that because again, I think... There's so many big bang for your buck areas of health, like exercise, nutrition, all these things. I never want to overwhelm anyone, but I do think we're going to look back someday at like these products we're using every single day, slathering our bodies and them spraying around our house. I mean, like, whoa, what were we thinking? You know? (laughs) Well, yeah, it's like our dad would just throw us in the back of the pickup truck and we're cruising down the road. And now, you know, no one would do that because it's like, that is very unsafe. There's just Mm -hmm. things that we learn. And we go from there. Okay. What we do know about our audience is they are women of action. But what we also know is that they can get overwhelmed. So I'm wondering, you know, we're, we're tossing different things out there. We're talking about food, beauty, laundry, cleaners, cookware. It's like, where do we start, Kate? Like if you had to advise someone, someone that does want to go down this road, where would you have them start on trying to get rid of toxins in their life? Yeah, I think that's great. And what I really want to be like clear about is you do not have to do this all at once. And again, Mm -hmm, kind of like at the beginning, you get to decide what feels right for you. If this doesn't feel important to you, do your thing. If this feels intriguing to you, cool. Take like an empowered step-by-step approach. So I would say something that I would first focus on is your food. So having food be more whole ingredient, organic when you can afford it, pasture-raised beefs when you can afford it, like getting quality meat, produce, food, and looking for simple ingredients. That's where I would start um, because you are limiting toxins that way. Um, There's so many pesticides, like so many things sprayed on crops, so many chemicals in our food, so many food dyes, artificial flavorings, you know, the drill. So I think just kind of trying to focus on a whole food diet would be my first step. Then I would look at your skincare products because you are literally putting those, slathering them on your body. And I know like some people are like, you absorb everything you put on your skin. That's not quite true. It's about 70%. But like, think about it. Like 
they prescribe topical medicines, like a patch that clearly absorbs into the bloodstream. Like it's not any different to put lotion on. You are absorbing what you put on your skin. So I think switching to, you know, a non-toxic deodorant, a lotion, a makeup, that's the next phase I would do. And for me, um, again, once I ran out of a deodorant, I got a clean ingredient one. So just kind of like wait till you run out of what you're already using and then upgrade it, I think is more financially realistic for a lot of us. And then I would go to the household cleaners. And again, I think everyone assumes that, you know, it has to be very complicated. Like, oh, well, I have to hand make all my cleaning supplies now with like vinegar and witch hazel and you know, essential oils, but it's like, there are so many great options out there of clean ingredient brands. Now it's not any different than spraying with Febreze. It's just like something that has clean ingredients. And then I would say the advanced level of reducing your toxic exposure is like things like you said, avoiding receipts. They are covered in BPA, um, getting a water filter on your house. You can go to the, um, EPA and look up like water quality in your area and just see what contaminants there are. That is wild. It's wild. wild. Um, I did it on mine and my husband's like, you need to chill out with this stuff. He's like, all of a sudden you're some woke person. I'm like, Tom, look at at what is in our water. We need a three filtration system. And he's like, you need to calm down for one second. No, I know. And I think that just goes back to like doing the best you can. Like I would love to have a whole house water filtration system. I don't. We have an old house and I, I'm not going to tear apart our whole house to put a filter in, but I did invest in putting a filter under our kitchen sink. You know, so just doing what you can. Um, another thing you could upgrade would be your laundry detergent. Dryer sheets are like crazy, like with so many chemicals. So I think, you know, switching those out for like wool dryer balls and sprinkling essential oil on, on them for a little scent. And then there's like this whole next tier where I'm kind of in, I'm kind of not, where you could literally find like non-toxic versions of bedding, furniture, paint, clothing. And it's like, I try to be mindful of that, but like money wise, it's like, I can't spend a zillion dollars on every single thing. Cause typically for a quality item, it does cost a little bit more. So for me, I'm all about reducing the toxins where it's realistic and easier um, and just calling that a win and not worrying about every single thing. I, in my DM, sometimes I have to like tell people to chill because I do talk about, you know, reducing your exposure to toxins often. And they're like, I just saw this one thing that, you know, there's flame retarded on my couch and it's like, you're okay. You know, like take care of the things in your control. Maybe if it's that important to you, when you get your next couch, you can find one without flame retardant on it, but you will never in our modern world, you will never be able to eliminate every toxin. So just reducing the biggest bang for your buck things, the things you ingest and use every day, like food, the skincare you put on your body and your household cleaners. If you focus on those three things, you're doing such great things for your health. Oh my gosh. I love that idea. Cause I really do feel like this journey is like five steps forward. And then, then I'm woke. And then I got to take like three steps back. Cause I get like a little nuts about it. And so I just got to check myself. Cause too, you don't want, like, I was like in a mindset where I'm like, Oh my God, my kid's food touched a paper plate. And then Tom's like, relax. And he's right. It's and you have to slow. think like, this is what I'm so passionate about. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm like, so fiery about this. I have been there and it's like, if you are that obsessed about the quality of your food, about your toxins, about this, that is not healthy. That is like, you are unhealthy in that moment because your brain is consumed by doing the quote, right thing about being perfect, about eliminating X, Y, Z, da, 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 da. That is not health. You know, health is feeling relaxed, confident, embodied, empowered in your health. And I don't want people to think you have to be scared of the world we live in but more so aware and then empowered that you do have agency over some things, but you can't control everything. Yes. I love that. I'm off the cliff now, but I just want to want to preface if someone's going down this road, I don't want them to be on the cliff next to me. Like I was. So two, one thing I listened to a podcast that you were on, I think it was refined woman. And you guys talked about your menstrual cycle. We love talking about taboo things here at Expecting and Empowered. So let's talk about menstruation because I learned so much from you 
in that podcast episode where I like changed what I do work-wise, what like, if I feel something like, for example, one of my friends actually yesterday started her period and she's like, God, I'm like going to this event. And I like, do not feel like going to this. I'm like dreading it. All I want to do is be at home. And I'm like, oh, listen, that's because you're in this phase of your cycle and you should not have scheduled something during that phase of your cycle or two, like even allowing myself because so Amy and I were both collegiate athletes as well. And like you're talking about with an exercise mindset, like sometimes it's really hard to get out of this mindset of like, we got to go hard all the time. We got to do hit. I got to get my three E&E workouts in this week. I need to do my strength. But as you explain this cycle, I feel like it really will help you kind of come up with like a cheat code on how to really be intuitive and listen to our body. Because I think so many of us have got out of touch with that. So I feel like after you explain this menstrual cycle, people will be like, wow, I know the secret. (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it does feel like a cheat code. It does feel like a secret. And, you know, it's funny, because I'm so like, I feel like I'm always talking about periods and menstrual cycles. And like, like I said, my husband's a nurse, he's very comfortable with like bodily processes. So he's very like, aware of what's going on. It's never taboo for us. And then I'll be like in conversation with quote, normal people that aren't in medicine. And I'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm in my follicular phase or like literally what, (laughs) but it's like, I do think there is power in learning your cycle. And so many of us just don't know. Like I would literally know when I was on my period or off my period. And I'd always be somewhat surprised when my period arrived, you know, but with time I've learned that essentially because this could be a whole podcast episode on its own, but I'll give a high level of like men have a 24 hour hormone cycle. That is the same day after day. It is the same, you know, it ebbs and flows throughout the day, but each day is pretty much the same rhythm. Women, as opposed to a 24 hour cycle operate on a approximately 28 day cycle. So over that 28 days, we are ebbing and flowing. There's peaks and valleys. Our hormones are changing And along with those changes, changes in how we feel, our mood, our bloating, our energy, our creativity, our desire to socialize, Um, you know, hormones have such an impact and it would be naive to think that like all these changes are going on in our body and that we're going to be the same person day after day after day. I know that I feel way different when I'm ovulating versus when I'm on my period. So to give a very high level overview Um, I like to think of the four kind of distinct parts of our menstrual cycle as the seasons of the year. So we'll start with your period. That is approximately days one through five of your cycle. It's when you're bleeding. And I like to think of this as your winter, like your hibernation. You're naturally probably feeling more inward, kind of just wanting to be home, more slow moving, kind of more lethargic, lower energy. Um, so this is more of a time just to like stay home, be a little bit more inward and take things easy. And then after the period ends, your hormones are ticking up a little bit. So this is your follicular phase, which I like to identify as your spring. So when you're in your period, your hormones are like at a bottom. As your hormones slowly begin to rise, you'll feel yourself have more energy, more confidence because your body's getting ready to ovulate. Like you are your cave woman is getting ready to reproduce. So you might be feeling more confident, a stronger desire to be social. Basically, this is just kind of like a high vibe time. It's kind of like a warm day after a long winter. You'll just be feeling more like yourself and ready to be out and about. And then you ovulate. So this is like your summer, the days surrounding ovulation. This is just life is good. It only lasts like a really like few days, but this is like peak kind of creativity, confidence, socializing, like your workouts might feel really good. You just kind of have that like peak fertile energy. It's funny. They did a study where, so they had the girls wear a white t-shirt and then they took them off and no one could see who was attached to what t-shirt. And they had random guys smell the t-shirts and based on the scent rank who was most attractive. So they had no idea what these people looked like. And by and large, the girls that were ovulating, they were ranked as most attractive. Like we give off different pheromones. We smell different when we're fertile. And so just from like smelling these t-shirts, like the ones that were ovulating were found to be, to smell more attractive. That's kind of a random note, but it's like our hormones impact so much. 
Um, so yeah, during this time, you might feel like an increased sex drive because again, your body wants to reproduce. You're feeling energized, confident, motivated. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a high vibe time. And then after that, the hormones kind of start to falter a bit as you get ready for your luteal phase. So this is kind of the fall. You might still feel pretty good, but it, your body's just kind of slowing down gradually. As your hormones shift, you may naturally feel a pull to kind of turn more inward, you know, just kind of like your workouts feel a little more slow paced. You're not quite at that hibernation energy of like winter, but just kind of a slowing down, um, still feeling good, still feeling fine. I kind of think of it as like a back to school energy. You may feel more like organized, productive here, but just kind of like want to be um, home. And so that is kind of like a high level overview. I could have gone so much more in the weeds there. Okay. I love that idea of seasons. Like when I was learning that from you, I really thought about things in this season. So I remember coming to work one day too, and I had tons of things to do on my to-do list all the time, but one was like insanely creative. And that was when I was actually menstruating. So I was like, listen, there's lower hanging fruit that I just have to like get done, which was creating a course. I did all the creative stuff already. So I felt like I killed that day. And I feel like if I did know my Kate Scar cycle season, I feel like I could have gone empty handed that day. Like, I feel like I might have done the creative route and I would have not been as productive. So could you give moms like some simple ways to slowly start making changes in their day to day? Like I've heard too, like you organize stuff in that fall phase. You like did Marie Kondo on your stuff. So give us some simple things as we start to think about our own cycle that we can take back into motherhood. Yes. I love this. And I think it's so funny because when I talk about this, like I can feel the eyes rolling. Like people are like, okay, you hippie. I'm not going to plan my life. I, I literally cycle. Used to be that person. <laughs> yes. And totally. And I am too. It's like, okay, yes. Like while I would love to live freely and just plan my life around like this, the, stages of my cycle. That's not always realistic, but it helps me be aware. Like when I am just feeling like flat in my workouts, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in the luteal stage. I'm about to, you know, get, be in my winter. It is okay that I don't, that I didn't hit the paces on my run or that I didn't feel like lifting heavy today. I think it's just more about, like you said, an awareness where you're like, I am not feeling that creative today. That is okay. I'm going to lean into this thing that feels more natural at this point in my cycle. So I think my, my biggest overall tip is just that, um, you know, you may not always be able to like plan things around it. If you are able, I would say like something like this, a podcast interview, I am planning this around my follicular and ovulation phase. I'm feeling more chatty. I'm feeling more social. I'm feeling more charming. You know, my scent is probably great if you ask my husband, but it's like, you know, I'm planning. I planned this interview around this time of my cycle because I did have a say in it. Now there's going to be times where you do an interview when you're maybe in your luteal phase. That's okay. It's just more of an awareness of like, okay, I might need to kind of hype myself up for this interview. It might not come as naturally to me, you know, during my period, I take my workouts a lot easier. So one thing that has been interesting to me, and I really want to talk to your listeners about, you know, expecting an empowered workout app. It's like working out might be a really big part of your listeners life. And the workouts that serve our body or that feel best are going to ebb and flow throughout the cycle. And this is not just fluffy. This is like science, you know, like I used to be someone that ran every single day and sometimes it just didn't feel good, but I didn't know my cycle yet. At that point, I expected my body to be operating and feel the same every single day when that's just not realistic as a woman with fluctuating hormones. Um, And with time, you know, I've looked into the data more and it is shown like women show better performance in jumping in speed efforts in the post ovulatory phase and showed the lowest exercise capacity before and during menstruation. Another study showed that elite athletes um, self-report a decrease in their performance in the menstrual phase and an increase in the follicular phase. Your resting heart rate and cardiovascular benchmarks do fluctuate throughout the menstrual cycle. Physical activity in general has been shown to reduce symptoms of PMS and psychological PMS symptoms, dysmenorrhea, like 
uh, the way we work out does impact our hormones and our hormones do impact the way we work out. And I think just realizing that it's a reciprocal relationship, I think can be very interesting. So one thing that I like to encourage people to do is just maybe start bringing an awareness on where you're at in your cycle to the way you work out. So to kind of like give a tangible idea of what I mean during the winter. So during your period, you may find yourself drawn to more slower paced workouts. So this would be a time for lower intensity, maybe a rest day, maybe an easy walk, stretching, like a slower paced yoga class, like a Hatha or Yin style, maybe body weight strength, but whatever type of exercise you're doing, just make it a lighter or lower intensity day. Then when you move into the follicular phase, your spring, your energy might be slowly rebounding. Um, this is a great time to do something a little bit more intense, maybe jogging instead of walking, power walking, walking at an incline, doing the stair stepper, taking a cycle class, you know, an intense Pilates class, a more intense yoga class, weightlifting. So in a nutshell, whatever type of exercise you're doing in the follicular phase, just make it a moderate to higher intensity workout. Then ovulation is typically when people feel their best athletically. So this could be a great time for interval workouts, hit classes, running, you know, higher weights in the gym, jogging, cycling, um, maybe having shorter recovery between sets and reps, sculpt yoga, you know, just kind of whatever you're doing, this could be a time you could push your limits a bit more. And then finally you move into the luteal, the autumn phase. So, you know, this is the phase where at the beginning of it, you still might feel pretty good. And then the few days before your period, you might be like, oh my gosh, I'm so low energy. So this one can ebb and flow a little bit, but in general, whatever you're doing is kind of moderate intensity. So maybe a hot yoga class, like vinyasa style, resistance bands instead of really heavy weights, body weight, incline walking, stairmaster, Pilates, like Whatever it is, just kind of making it more moderate. And then the day or two before your period, if you're like me, it might be really chill, like just walking. Um, but I think it's just important that like you can work out with your cycle. You can work with your hormones and just being aware that the way we work out can fluctuate, the way we feel can fluctuate, the way we like the energy we have that day can fluctuate and being okay of that and just bring, being like, bringing a gentle awareness to it and kind of picking workouts that match how we feel in that quote season can be so much more empowering than trying to like force a workout that just does not feel good in our body that day. I love this whole conversation because it's like we're saying we're none of us are going to get this perfectly. We're not going to be able to set our schedule perfectly. Like I'm meeting Kate in my winter right now. You know, she's one of my favorite influencers. I wish I was in summer, but I'm not. And we just have to do what we can <laughs> do. We just have to get through. So here's the thing, Kate, we Crystal and I really could talk to you all day. Like I said, you're one of our faves. I do want to end with this question. I think one thing that you're so good at doing is giving your audience micro tips. And then I, I love when you give the feedback of people that try them because they're like, that's life changing. And so sometimes I think when we think about health, we're thinking of like these huge things. But what I want to leave our audience with are these ideas of what does micro mindfulness or slowing down look like? How can these really busy women incorporate micro moments into their life to make their health better? Mm, I love that. And yes, I, I relate to it because at any given point, I can think of five to 10 things I would have loved to do that day that I just didn't get to. One of those for me consistently is meditation. I would love to be someone that meditates for 20 minutes every morning and every evening and fits it into their lunch break. But it's just always that thing that gets put on the back burner for me. I do try to meditate at least two minutes a day because if I tell myself I don't have time for it, I look at my screen time and I'm like, okay, well, I clearly had time to scroll Instagram for an hour so I can meditate for two minutes. But I would say micro mindfulness, I'm going to share a hack. I did not invent this, but it, it kind of goes around in the meditation sphere and it is called the STOP technique. And that is an acronym, S-T-O-P. And basically wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you're working, if you're annoyed with your spouse, if you are with your child and wanting to be more present, you just stop. And that stands for, so the S is stop. And just kind of like, 
that sounds so simple, but if you're working, maybe just like closing your laptop for a second. If you're scrolling, putting down your phone. So just kind of stopping what you're doing. The T is for take a breath. So a really intentional just and just like allowing yourself to like take a deep breath. The O is for observe. So like observe how you're feeling in that moment. You know, it could be feeling really stressed. Um, I'm feeling overwhelmed with work. I'm feeling annoyed that I have to cook dinner. I am feeling, you know, really happy. My son had a great day today. Um, I'm feeling relief. You just observe whatever you're feeling. You don't judge. And then the P is for proceed. So, okay, I stop. I took a breath. I observed how I'm feeling. And then the P is how you want to proceed, how you want to move forward. Um, And this literally takes 10 to 15 seconds. And it is a game changer. Like sometimes just in between emails, it's just like, okay, stop. Just close my laptop for a second. Maybe close my eyes. I take a deep breath and I observe how I'm feeling. And it's like when I get in my body, I realize like, okay, my heart rate's pretty fast. I'm, I'm seeming very stressed. I'm seeming overwhelmed. I'm feeling very frantic. And then it's like, but why? I'm really not in a rush. I'm going to proceed a little more calmly. I'm going to write, check in with my to-do list, write down what actually needs to be accomplished today, what can be done tomorrow. Or like, you know, say someone sends you a text and it just has like kind of a weird tone to it and you're starting to overthink and be anxious. Are they mad at me? Just stop, take a breath. I'm observing, you know, I am maybe reading into things. I'm feeling anxious. This person's annoyed at me. I'm going to proceed, you know, I'm going to let this go. If they have an issue, they can chat with me or maybe I want to call them and talk about it. You get to choose how to proceed, but it's just S-T-O-P, stop, take a breath, observe, proceed. I do that literally probably 20 times throughout my day. And it's like, if you don't have time for a five or a 10 or a 20 minute meditation, which I wish I did, I wish I prioritized it, but I often don't. Just sprinkling those stops in your day can be really helpful. Mm, I love that. It just seems like we could all do that. And you guys can't see us, but all of us, it just felt like a calmer energy when we were Mm -hmm. talking about this. Mm -hmm. Okay. You are a delight. You are a wealth of knowledge. Like I keep saying, we love her. Mm. Tell our audience where they can find more of you. You're so sweet. I'm so honored to be on you guys. I use expecting and empowered like my entire pregnancy to work out. Um, so I feel like I'm with celebrities. Um, but my Instagram is kate.eskri, E-S-K-U-R-I. Um, my website is thefoundationblog.com and Recently, the main place I'm showing up is my Substack. Um, it is, oh, it's like my favorite thing ever, but I just show up weekly with recipes, guided journaling sessions, meditations, health tips to a community. It's a paid membership for just a few bucks a month, but you can also join for free just to get like a sneak peek. And that's at kscree.substack.com. Um, but in general, I just love, I genuinely like love to connect. I love to like, feel in community online. I I never get numb to the fact of like, I don't know, there's all these humans out there, like me and I feel like friends with you guys. And it's from a weird little app on the internet. But it's like, I, I really do try to feel connected and community with those that engage in my content. And so if you know what I've talked about today resonates, I'd love to have you join the party and maybe follow along on Insta or send me a DM and I'd love to chat. You know, I want to reflect back to you that it feels that way. Like it feels like you care for your community and that, and you can just tell that from following you. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, we would love to see you share the love on Instagram, taking both of us if you loved it.